of how many kids you have, just as an introduction first. Yeah, my name's Amber Jackson. I'm a single mom in Mesa, Arizona. I have four kids, 13, eight, four, and three. And it's probably not snowing there like it is here. Oh, for us, it's a very, very cold 55 degrees. So. <laughs> oh, it's so cold here right now. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay, so you have had quite the past few years, yeah, to say the least. And obviously, this is about women who have grit. It's I've called it gritty mamas for a reason. And I think that women have this, I don't know, this power that sometimes we are we don't unleash like we could so tell me what just from the beginning this is just a just a regular conversation what has happened in your life yeah so I usually start my story um I feel like where I really had to dig in my heels and find that spot was um I got married very soon out of high school he returned from his mission right around the time I graduated high school so we got engaged like two months out of when I was out of high school and married right after and then when we had our first son two years later, that I feel like was my first moment. It was kind of when I realized like, oh, I'm an adult now and adult problems are happening. It was when uh, we found out at birth that he was born with Down syndrome. Oh, not till you we, knew he was born. No, we there didn't was, know till he was born. And there was we no just, indication? We did not do any of the tests. We thought like, what are the chances? And it's just not going to happen to us. And so I like really spiraled into a deep, postpartum depression and anxiety and it, a lot of it could have just been um you know like chemical like just baby depression that women go through I don't know if it was diagnosis or not you know like if I was feeling depressed because of his diagnosis but I think that was the first time that I really was just like all right life out of high school is hard <laughs> you know seriously like yeah you were had to adult really quickly I had to adult and then he's incredible though he's my oldest he's 13 and then um, we had a second child four years later. So we were married six years. And when our, our boys were four and four months old um, is when we ended up separating mm. and we got divorced, mm. which was a shock to me. Mm. Um, can you, know, you just, I, yeah, can you go into that? Like what happened? Um, yeah, he just decided that um, he wanted to live his life differently than how we had been living our life together. And he said, I love you. I think you are incredible. You're my best friend. I'm just not attracted to the kind of woman that you are. And that was it. And so, which was just a huge, um, you know, you think like the one person in life that's going to love you for who you are is your spouse. Um, and so that was a lot. And so I spent a lot of time trying to figure out like, all right, who am I as a woman? Who do I want to be? And it was really hard because, like I said, our kids were four and four months old, so I was exclusively breastfeeding. Well, and so you're, had, you're in no, the thick of postpartum. Like, let's very just, thick of postpartum. Let's just, let's just kick you while you're down and tell you that yeah. he's not attracted to you. Well, I mean, we're not that attractive at four months postpartum. <laughs> at four months postpartum. No, it was really it was really hard because, like you said, like that you're still doing – I was still doing middle-of-the-night feedings, and then I had gone back to being a nurse. I'd gone back to work as being a nurse, working night shift, so – my whole sleep schedule was off and I was in school getting my bachelor's program and I was in a big calling at church. And so I was just, I, it was just, I was so confused. I remember him telling me that night and I, I just took a couple seconds to be like, wait, I'm so, I was just so confused. Um, 
And I remember having to pass back and forth. We'll have to pass to him. I would pump and then hand him like frozen breast milk and be like, can you feed our, you know, four or five month old child? Do you know about wake windows? Do you know about middle of the night feedings? Do you know about all of this? Like it was just such a hard thing for me to hand over everything that I had just taken care of knowing that he was hi baby girl, knowing that everything that he was just, or that I was taking care of and knowing he was having to do it. And I remember feeling so strongly, like I just prayed to the Lord, how am I supposed to like give up this much control? Okay, wait, Amber, pause, said, pause. Yeah, okay, she's got to go potty. Okay, Nico, one second. Mama. You're good. I get it. Oh my gosh. Come here, Nico, quick. Yeah, I'm hungry though, Mom. But go back to where you were. What were you saying? No, you you're good. Just something. like trying to give up that control. And it was just so hard for me when it was my children, my like newborn baby and my special needs oh, child. Oh, you're, mean, you're meaning like and when this is, the divorce is done. And you're having like in the very beginning when we were separated and the divorce, like the paperwork was being filed and I knew, you know, he had moved out and I, he's now, the kids are now spending the night at his house and your four month old baby, like, huh? Your four month old baby is spending the night at his house when you're a nursing Yeah, I think mom. by the time we started, he was six months old, I think is when we started going back and forth. And so, um, yeah, it was like, really I'm hard like and I just... To... Can you imagine? Like I still I can't the imagine. Of the night. I, I can't imagine because I'm I'm dealing with something similar. She is yeah. she my baby is gonna be three tomorrow, but like it's like you're having your it's mm -hmm. like you're a fish out of water and the kids are being ripped from you. Ripped. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that's still, what it felt like. You're still nursing. And so and then was, you're yeah. entrusting that he's getting up, not sleeping through the crying, because let's be honest, like six months olds don't all sleep through the night. Mine never did. Yeah. I'm trying to think, I think by that point I was, he was like an angel baby. So I want to say he was, and that's why I agreed to it. Mm. Um, and I still think he had some middle of the night things, you know, cause they go through growth spurts and all right. of a sudden they're up again. And then all of that kind of a thing. So it was, um, it was just really hard. And I remember just praying about it and the Lord telling me like, I will take care of them while they're over there, but I need you to create a safe space for them when they come home. And it was just this feeling of like, I am the only one that can give them a happy mom who loves life. Yeah. So when they come home and I'm constantly stressing about this and that, and what has your dad done over there and all of this stuff. And I'm like, is, are your naps okay? And is he feeding you vegetables and all of that? Like I just, it's so much, it was all consuming to me that I was just an anxious mess all the time. So I just had to honestly like let it go and know that they are safe and taken care of whether or not their naps are being done like I want them to or right. they're eating their vegetables at dinner and I was just going to create a safe space for them so I was going to make sure that I was in the best place so that when they came home they felt they felt safe they felt like this is mom you know like yeah, this is a place yeah. I want to be but I do want to like I almost I'm I don't know if I love this term but like I want to hold space for the fact that that you you, you missed that control because I don't think, cause I I'm dealing with the same thing. I don't think there's anything yeah. wrong with worrying about their nap, with worrying whether or not oh, they're no. eating well. And, and I know you don't, but I'm like, so many people are like, they'll be fine. But it's yeah. when it's your children that were in your womb that you yeah. birthed and nobody cares or loves for them like you do. It is hard to just be like, take care of it. Hope you do no, it, you know, and I, I totally agree with that. And I think it was, I, yeah, how did you do I that? I think my stress and my anxiety, like I said, was all consuming and I lost like an insane amount of weight and I couldn't sleep. And it, it was more of like, Survival. I need to be able to live my life with like peace. Yeah. So I still worried and I still had conversations with him and I still asked, but it was just to where I wasn't like always feeling like I was going to fall off a cliff because yeah. I was just so anxious. It does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. I mean, you no? had to, you had to survive yourself emotionally. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, I had to get through my day when they weren't there and different things like that. So, oh my gosh. So we actually, fun twist to the story, um, we weren't even separated a year. So our divorce was finalized for a couple months and we um, actually got married again. That that tends to shock people. Yeah. So um, basically he just had said, I might've jumped the gun and wanting to get divorced. And do you want to consider trying again? It's very interesting being asked out on a date by your ex-husband, by the way, like you can add it to my life bingo card, like, you know. Never thought Wait, that would happen. So how long after you were divorced did he do that? Four or five months. I think it was like 10 and a half months, 11 months from when we originally separated to when we started dating again. So I know we got remarried like right before that year mark of our separation, but we were only married for two months. The second time. I think officially like four months, but we filed after two months because, um, he was just like, I really tried and he just couldn't do it. So that was probably the most passionate prayer I've ever said in my life was that second time that he left. Cause okay. So from the first night he left to then the second night that he left was a 13 month period. So I prayed about it before we got married again, like our heavenly father, you know, he's wanting to try and we were divorced but we had kids together and all of that so well, cause, i was just like what? All right. we're, we're members of the church you get did yeah. you get married in the temple we were married in the temple so, so our temple in eternal families yes and my biggest thing when he left was that he, the first time was like he just left i he had been feeling a certain way for quite a few years that i was not aware of and so i was my biggest thing was like why didn't you tell me? Cause we could have worked on it. Maybe, you know, not like I need to change who I am, but if you have needs that I'm not meeting, like, let's talk about this. Like, this is what you do in a marriage. And I was so frustrated that he just left without us, without giving me the opportunity right. or the chance blindsided. To, to work on it. Yeah. And so then when he came back the second time, I thought you're a year late, but this is what I wanted a year ago. Yeah. So, and you're going to do it for your kids. I'm going to do it for my kids. And we really tried and I really tried. And I, when he left, it really was that feeling of like, I did everything I could to save this marriage. So I truly was able to just put it behind me and let it go. And I really was able to have peace with the whole thing. Like I did everything I possibly could to save that marriage. Mm. So. But two months later, like he's just like the wounds have like been bandaged and they're torn like the, the sword never quite fully came out you're still healing no. that, that and no. then he it just jabs rough... it in there a little bit further and gives it a little twist and a grind a like what the heck I know like I again lost weight and I well like, and your kids are like wait what what is happening they, here it, it was whiplash because my youngest was a year and a half at this point and my oldest was not quite six I think I'm trying to think of the math not quite six so yeah it was just a lot you know like dad moved in like we were going back and forth and then dad's now living with us and then dad's not living with us anymore like it was just so much on their little their little bodies and And where is he now is he married and um yes he's married they're um pregnant with their second baby Hmm. so it's just weird it's just weird it's it's just weird it really is So I then met my current husband actually like fairly soon after that he, I was a nurse at the time working night shift and he was a fellow nurse. We didn't work on the same unit, different units. So then another nurse was like, you guys should go on a date. You're like the same person. And we knew each other by face and name, but nothing more than that. And, um, 
normally I'm not one to date someone I work with, but when he asked me to dinner, I don't know. It just felt like it's just, there was such a pull. It mm. was just like, there was something I just couldn't say no. So, and then from that first date on, we were just inseparable. We just knew, I feel like from that first date. So we were married, um, December of 2017 and we have two kids together wow. who are four and three. And when our youngest was a month old, so we were married just over three years. Um, he had a seizure at work and he was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer oh my called glioblastoma. Like, I mean, there's no chance there was just, they just straight up gave you like, it's terminal. Like, yeah. So, so with glioblastoma, there is no cure. Like there's is there a stages? 5% survival rate at five years. So for the chance to even make it to five years, there's a 5% chance. So, okay. so Tim, I call Tim is my current husband. I call him my meteor because he just came into my life at such a dark time. I was very comfortable with who I was now that I had put that divorce behind me. And I knew like, I'm confident who I am. That was not my fault. You know, like not that I didn't have fault in it and right. I'm sure I could have done things better, right. but like I really tried and I was just loving who I was. And then Tim came in at this time and I say that he just lit my world on fire. He lit me on fire. You know, my first husband said he wasn't attracted to the kind of woman I was. And Tim, he, I feel like loved every part of who I was, Aww, like for exactly who I am. The to ground you it was off, just such a beautiful on. thing. What was that? I just said he worshiped the ground you walked on. Honestly, that's how it felt. I'm like, that's I don't how feel like it should be. Dang it. This way in a relationship. Like it was just truly fairy tale what dreams are made of. Mm. So then he gets this terminal diagnosis and he's had four tumor resections. He went through clinical trials, chemo, radiation, like all of the infusions. And uh, it okay, was 16 so, months. So back up a little bit. So is this, he's doing all this stuff just to prolong his 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 life yeah. I guess because you yeah because always... I mean there is like a chance that they can live a couple years you know there are cases out there of like 14 years or something so prolong his life quality of life like we're just trying to get as much time out of him as possible at this point you know uh, this was a couple years ago three years ago so this was February of 21 that he was diagnosed so you were married for three years three years okay yeah so... and our youngest was a month old oh my gosh again you have like yeah <laughs> Like, I'm struggling with, okay, so let's, let's back up a little bit because yeah. I mean, I know this is like, it's, it's history and it's in the past, but like, we just zoomed yeah. over like diagnosis and death. What was it like for, for you when he got this diagnosis? Like, what did you guys, did you just cry? I mean, oh yeah. So when they called me, I remember I was at Walmart and it was February and I was going through the Valentine's clearance section, even though it was February 11th. So I just, it's funny how your mind remembers yes, certain things. where you were and when she, you... I, yeah, where I was and I had milk in my cart. I remember that. Oh and gosh. she called and said, Tim had a seizure. And all I said, kept saying to her was Tim doesn't have seizures. And she kept saying Amber, which it was a good work friend that I knew. She said, Amber, I know he doesn't, but he did. And I would be like, I think you have the wrong person. Tim doesn't have seizures. And she was like, I know that, but he did. So then when he so, was, we so, officially had the so diagnosis. So he was taken was, to the, the hospital where you work. Yeah. So, so he, he was had actually, the seizure he at worked work. at the hospital during the day at this point. And um, a coworker had noticed that he was just kind of talking funny. So she had taken him down to the emergency department and they were going to kind of have a doctor look at him on the side. And it was while she was down there, like, hey, can we get someone to come look at Tim that he just went down? Oh, my gosh. She actually, he started to have a seizure and she pinned him against the wall and they were able to get him into a bed. And so, yeah, it was just amazing timing that he was in the emergency department when it right. happened. Wow. And um, 
yeah, we just, we cried and we knew. So it was, it was from that day that I knew you are going to die from this. Like this is going to be what ultimately kills you. Um, I had hoped and prayed for like three, five, seven years. You know, I have, we have a one month old baby who I'm still up in the middle of the night doing feedings and who we had just had two procedures for his tongue tie. And like, that was our biggest problem right now was his tongue tie and I, you know, different things like that. And, um, we had had a long conversation the night before. So this is February of 21. So we're still, COVID was still pretty high. And we had had a conversation the night before about how he felt like he just worked too much. We had this newborn baby. It was our fourth child. And he was like, I just feel like I need to be home more. So we had talked about a potential career change within nursing still, but a different department that would let him be home more. And then it was the next day that he had a seizure. So I always joked with him. I said, when I wanted you home more, that's not what I meant, (laughs) you know? And so did he love on your first two from your first husband? What was that? Like, did he love on those first two kids? Oh my gosh. Yes. They just absolutely loved him and he loved them as his own. So my Mm. oldest has down syndrome and then has been diagnosed with autism as well when he was almost five. And he, my husband, was like one of his favorite people. He Mm. just, he preferred him over me most of the time. And he just loved on them. Like he, they were his children is how he looked at them. So we knew at that point, Like we truly just need to enjoy the time that we have. And we just prayed that we would have years. Um, But like I said, it was June of 2022, 16 months that he he ended up passing away, which the, the general time is between 12 and 18 months. So So he was right right on par. So tell me, okay, so he's diagnosed with terminal. So is this like, how long has this tumor been growing? Do they tell you that? Yeah, they don't know. They didn't know. It's hard to tell. He had like three different um, lesions, a mass in three different places. And so, and so they went in go ahead. The, with the first biopsy that the first doctor was just like, you need to get your stuff in order. Cause it doesn't look good is all that we got. And then here in Phoenix is the Barrow neurological Institute, which is one of the, the greatest brain places in the country and probably even the world, I think. And so his general oncologist who handles like all kinds of cancers he was like you need to go over to barrow so he had some referrals he sent us over there which we got in with the neurosurgeon there who i think is the top third in the world and he was absolutely incredible i think tim made it the 16 months because of of him and his program or else mm-hmm. i think it might have been sooner had we not gone and let, him. let's not forget that you're you have a one month old in tow at all of this again oh yeah in the thick of postpartum like thickness you know, yeah. and the engorgement, and you're probably still, oh, yeah. you're st- probably still wearing the witch hazel pads for heaven's sakes. Like <laughs> you're still yeah. In and it. our our first together, so our daughter, so my third, our first together, she wasn't even two yet, and then we had a one month old. So when he went in for his second brain surgery, so he first had a biopsy, and then now he's going in for the second surgery, but it's the first like major resection where they're gonna pull out as much of this tumor as they can. Um, it's like a six hour surgery. So we were there, I was at the hospital all day long and they, the hospital was so good to me. They set me up in this room, made sure I had a breast pump, made sure I had food all day long. And they were like, you are just as much our priority as Tim is because you have babies at home. It was so tender. Yeah. It was so sweet that you weren't forgotten babies and your, your stress, like you need to keep your breast milk up. It was just the sweetest thing with how much they took care of me as much as they took care of him. Okay. So you you basically got to watch him decline right in front of you yeah what was that like tim was very smart 
Oh, he was so smart, but he never made you feel inferior for how smart he was. He always just, um, floated it into con like you just you didn't really know it until you really started talking to him and then you're like you're actually like really smart and he was witty he was so quick and so funny and so that was really hard for me to watch because immediately some of the things that started to go were um his speech he was still able to talk but he could not think of the right word and it was like his memory and then like he wasn't as quick on stuff and then and then it was stuff like, um, you know, he was just home. And so I would be like, we need to run these errands, but do you want to stop and get lunch? Where do you want to go? And it was, that was too much of a decision between like errands and lunch. I'm like this or that. If I gave him a this or that question, it was too much. He couldn't process the decision. So it started to, no. to affect his cognitive ability. Yeah, it did. And then I know towards the end, it was really hard because he would just say words and and then he'd laugh and you knew like, oh, he just made a joke, but you had no idea what it was he was just trying to say. Uh. Or I remember one time him telling me he wanted me to buy magnets at the store. I don't remember why, but he it took him a long time to tell me. I don't even think I fully got out of him that he wanted magnets. He eventually, I think, showed me on the fridge, but it was things like at first he was able to stay home and it was fine. Like he just wasn't as quick so he couldn't go to work, but but he was still able to be home and help me with the kids and all that kind of stuff. He couldn't drive right away because he lost part of his vision, but he was starting to leave the stove on and he was putting stuff in like metal in the microwave. And then, mm. and then it got to the point when I couldn't leave home, I couldn't leave him at home at all. Like at first I could leave him at home with the kids if I needed to run an errand. But one time I came home and he had all of my clothes in the back of the truck. He was trying to give him away. And so, I compare it to having, um, him having Alzheimer's when people say, take care of yeah. people with Alzheimer's. And did he That's ever, was like. he ever like lucid and, and be like, wait, what, what am I doing? Yeah. He would do that. Which was always, it was always really, really hard when those moments would happen because it's like he knew, I'm trying to think. I think for a while he actually just pretended to know what was going on. And then when moments when he knew like, oh no, I just did something. It was just so hard on him because yeah. he knew yeah. how hard it was on me. Yeah. And um, he was the kindest person. He never raised his voice at me. If we ever had a disagreement, he was always just like, I need to talk to you about this. We never, he never treated me poorly, even in disagreements or arguments. And I do remember one time, I don't remember what I did, but I, I made him upset. And he, um, I, I remember he used some pretty harsh words that he's just never used with me before. And I knew this is the tumor talking. Yeah. It didn't mean it was not hard for me to hear yeah. him speak to me like that. Yeah. And when he came to, it wasn't until the next morning, but when he came to and realized what he had said the night before, I mean, he, he was just beside himself. Aww. Like, I cannot believe I said that to you. So it was really heartbreaking. And I was like, it's fine. Like I knew it wasn't you. I knew that it was the tumor, but it was really hard to watch because I knew my husband would never treat me like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah. It was moments like that. I'm going to shut this door. She's, she keeps singing. I can't hear her. Oh, and even gosh. if I could, I'm sure it would be great. <laughs> um, that had to have been devastating for you too. And then, and, yeah. and then to have like the wherewithal to say, okay, no, this isn't him. This is the tumor talking. I love that perspective that yeah. we could all probably say that in our own lives. Like, okay, this isn't uh -huh. who you are. This is mental illness or yeah. this isn't who you are. This is depression talking and that helps give me perspective on what I'm dealing with and, and, um, I'm sure it will for everybody else. So when you, when you, when he, when it's, how, how was his passing? How did that go for you? What was that like? 
Um, it was tragic and beautiful at the same time. I knew, so we got a diagnosis early May in, in uh, 2022 that his tumor had grown and that they were going to stop the, the chemo that he was on and they were going to try this last ditch effort with this other drug that wasn't even FDA approved. And I kind of knew like, this is the beginning of the end. Is this I, the for Hail some Mary? Reason, yeah, it was a Hail Mary. And I, for some reason in my mind thought like, okay, end of summer, like I've got like two months with him, maybe like we kind of need to start wrapping things up. And so I, um, I decided to take him on a trip, just the two of us. My family was like, we've got the kids, you guys just go. We then had another trip plan that we were going to do with the kids of just, cause he was still able to walk and I was gonna talk, say, yeah. go to the bathroom by himself. Okay. Like he was. So, so this tumor kinda... is only affecting him cognitively at the moment. Yes. So this was the last week of May into the first week of June that we went to Colorado and we had this small town in Colorado and we just had an incredible time. Like he was kind of confused, but also like he had a lot of lucid moments and we just rest and relaxed and it was just absolutely beautiful. And we got home on a Saturday night and I knew that Sunday he'd be in bed most of the day because we traveled a lot and I knew it was just going to wipe him out. Yeah. So Sunday he was in bed a lot and I was just letting him rest. And then I realized about midday that he, his headache was just so bad and I could not get it under control with the medicine we had at home. And then he's starting to throw up. And at that point, especially with a brain tumor, I'm like, I'm not doing this at home. You don't have the flu. I know what this is. So I took him into the emergency department and, um, he started having seizures that night and then, uh, and then he passed away the next day. It just, it came so fast. That and was like the actual like in Colorado though. No, so we got home Saturday night. Oh yeah, okay. And from our trip, and then Sunday he was in bed and all of that stuff. And then I took him to the emergency room Sunday afternoon, and um, they gave him some medicine to help with his headache, which made him really sleepy. And then I remember a point in the middle of the night. It was about twelve thirty, one in the morning. And he kept trying to go to the bathroom. He kept trying to stand up and go to the bathroom somewhere. And he, and I, he was so confused. And my sister was there with me and I knew they had talked. So at that point he had so much swelling on the brain and they talked about different ways to try to bring it down. Surgery was no longer an option. They were like, it's not like he's so progressed. So I, they talked about ways to kind of help. And I'm thinking we might be able to come home and put him on hospice after this. But then in the middle of the night when he's having a seizure, he hadn't had a seizure yet, I think, at this point, but he's trying to go to the bathroom and he's super confused. Um, I knew, I don't think we're going to leave this hospital. Like, I think this might truly be it. And I, I remember he stood up and he was trying to go to the bathroom and he was super confused. And I was just like, honey, where are you trying to go? Like, let's just sit down. And he looked at me and again, he's super confused. And he looked at me and he said, oh, it's you, which is the most clear he had spoken in like a long, long time. Usually his words were so garbled. You couldn't even get words out of it, but so clearly he said, Oh, it's you. And then he booped me on the nose and he said, boop, right on my nose. And then he laid back down. And about 30 minutes later, he had a seizure and then he just never regained consciousness after that. And then he died at one thirty the next afternoon. Oh my gosh. What do you so, think that that was? Was that just a moment where he's like, it's you, like, I, I recognize you, I know who you are? I, I think so, because he had been sleeping all day, and then especially when we got to the hospital, and they had so much, he had so much medication in him that he was just snowed. He was just so out of it. And I think it was like his last moment where I think he knew it was coming, and I think the Lord knew it was coming, and I truly think it was like, 
like I hold on to that moment, that little boop on the nose that he gave me because we just, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. Like our love was just so pure. Like I said, like I just felt how much he loved me and I just loved him so dearly. So I think it truly was this moment where he was just like, before I go, like, I just need to see you and your face. And I, I think I needed that moment of this, of his lucid lucidity, just for him to be like, I'm here, you know, it's you. Because I feel like now that he's gone, I feel moments where he just boops me on the nose where he's just like, I'm right here. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. That is so amazing that like, yeah. And and the fact that you were, you guys were given that one last trip together. Yeah, truly. Uh, it was a beautiful trip, so and did, I hold it so dear. Did he get to see your kids then, at least when he came home? He did. He saw them Saturday night and, um, you know, before he went to bed. And, and the part that's heartbreaking to me is my daughter. She was three at the time. She had missed us so much. And she was still taking naps. And so I had laid her down for a nap, and she didn't want to go down. She was just like, I miss you, but she still really needed it. And I was like, I will be here when you wake up. I promise. Like, I'm not going out of town anymore. I'm here. You've got me. You know, I'm all yours. And then it was while she was asleep. And uh, my, at the time, 17-month-old was taking a nap that my husband got worse. And so while they were napping, I had called my mom and said, I have to take him in. And so um, I took him to the hospital and they, he died before they got a chance to see him. Yeah. But you know what? Maybe that was, maybe that was okay because they saw him when he came home. Yeah. They knew they'll remember what he was like yeah. instead of, you know, those final moments when he probably wouldn't have been awake. Right. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, the day he died, he just did not look like himself, his happy jovial self that he was. And so I don't know if I even really wanted them to see right. him right. like that. And I've seen in your pictures on Instagram, I'm like, he did start to look frail. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. mean, was this the medicine talking? Was he still eating? I mean, did, I mean, like it was like the, obviously the cancer was taking over his whole body, but, yeah. but it changes your complete, your physical appearance. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't eat much. He had a really hard time with eating. That was always a struggle. And I remember one Sunday he really felt like rest, um, food from, I don't remember what restaurant it was, but he wanted it so badly. And I was like, I will go on a Sunday yeah. and get you yeah. whatever food you want. Right. And I just remember I bought him like the whole menu. Cause he was like, that sounds really good. And he ate it. So yeah, he did not eat much. He got really frail and he just, um, it affected his skin and how he looked. And there's a bit of an age difference with this anyway. He's 12 years older than I am. And so then even with the cancer, he just looked, he looked a lot older than what he really was. Okay. So tell me, Amber, like to wrap this up, how, how did you get through that? First of all, two divorces from the same man. Yeah. And postpartum with little babies and having to hand them over to him, remarrying the love of your life where you truly felt cherished and yeah. loved. And like, this is what marriage is to losing him. Like, how, how have you gone through that? What did you rely on? And what was your, I mean, how did you break through it? Oh, gosh. Um, I think, well, I don't remember if it was Elder Bednar or someone else that said like cancer is the disease of love. I, one, am so grateful that for his cancer diagnosis, because we had 16 months where I, I knew it was coming, mm. where I, I was able to just, we like shifted our priorities and I was able to love the heck out of him. And I was able to prepare for 
you are going to die. You know, like this isn't a cancer that you might pull out of. Like, I know that this is going to take you. So that was one thing that I was really able to partner with the Lord and be like, all right, when he dies, like I need that support. And then I just think after he died, it truly was, um, I just asked, it was just the Lord, honestly, the atonement, the savior of just like, this hurts so bad. Like it, I just couldn't even explain the physical pain that it was. Mm -hmm. It hurts so bad. And I don't want to do this. Like that was a big prayer I had a lot was I just don't want to do this. I don't want to be that widow. I don't want to be that girl or that story that like, oh, she divorced her husband. And then now she's a widow after this amazing man. And, but that is my story. You know, Mm -hmm. that is my life. And it's been hard and it's been beautiful. I've had beautiful moments. And so I have truly just aligned my will with the Lord of like, what do you want me to do? And I don't feel like that's giving away my independence. And I don't feel like that's giving away my voice. It's just been like, I have a voice and how do you want me to use it? If that makes any sense. And it's just been so much of like, I know you can make my life greater than what it is, but I need you to help me also feel joy. Cause right now this is just painful. And Tim will always be a part of my story. We're sealed. And I just, um, we had this saying that we would say on the phone to each other, you know, when one of us was gone, we would say, um, you know, like, I just need to finish up here and then I'll be home. And the other person would always say, uh, take your time, do what you need to do and then come home to me. And that was our way of being like, Hey, we're good. Like, don't stress about what you need to get done, do what you need to do. But I also really miss you. So come home. And, um, and I feel like that's been something that I, we've been saying to each other still, even after he's died, where mm. I've told him, you know, like, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to do what I need to do here on earth. But like, don't you forget that I am coming home to you, Aww. you know? And I just feel like we are still companions. It's just on opposite side of the veil. Wow. So, that's so all. are you, did you remarry again? No. So you're still, you're saying, how long yeah, is he? I just here with the kids. Um, It'll be two years this June, June of 24 will be two years. So I'm at 19 months right now. And I'm, I haven't dated. I'm opening up my mind to the idea of the possibility of dating. I do hope to fall in love again someday. I do. Um, It's just right now. I don't know. When your heart is still with him and yeah. And it always will be. And I think it's just been hard to put myself out there when I have kids as young as I do, you know, and I'm with them all the time. My, you know, I don't get out much. So, but I know that it'll just come in the Lord's timing. I have full confidence that Tim and the Lord, like Tim will have a say in who I end up remarrying. I don't have a doubt about that. Yeah. He always made sure I was taken care of when he was here. And without a doubt, he'll make sure I'm taken care of, even though he's gone. Oh my so, gosh, your faith is amazing. <laughs> the way that you are just like relying on God, knowing that Tim is still there, he's still a part of your life and your kids' lives, and he's taking care of you even on the other side. I yes. love that. Um, well, thank you, Amber. This is going to touch a lot of people. I, I did not know a, a lot of that. Oh my gosh, a lot of that story. Can you hear my daughter calling? Um, oh, good. <laughs> um, so anyway, is there any advice or anything? I hate those questions are so hard to answer no. on the spot. What would you tell someone else going through this? Like, what would you say to your younger self knowing now what you know? Oh gosh. I think two things come into my mind. The first one is that, um, God gave us this mortal life, but 
he did not ask us to not feel mortal feelings. Like so many Mm -hmm. times when people think like, oh, just align your will with his or like trust in God. That means that you can't feel sadness or anger or depression or anxiety or upset. Yeah. You know, like that was one thing where I'm like, no, like this still really hurts, even though I have faith in the Lord. And am I not allowed to feel upset because I have that trust in him? I think 100% he allows you to feel mad and angry and sad about your situation because this is so hard. Yeah. This mortal life is so hard, yeah. but it's what we do in those moments that we turn to the Lord instead of turning away from the Lord. Yes. I think that's one thing that just give myself grace to feel what it is I'm feeling. Yeah. I'm sad. Yeah. I'm really sad. You know, And I've been times where I was so angry, whether it was divorce or death, that I was like, I do not like this heavenly father and I need you to know that, you know? <laughs> And then um, the second thing is that it will get better. And that's something I tell myself daily right now. It doesn't feel like it, but um, there is something out there that is just so incredible for you that you just don't even know. Like the Lord will just has so many things in store for you that you just don't even know. Mm, he'll consecrate you know? And I, I think back on my Tim, like I remember divorcing my first husband thinking, I'll never love a man the way I loved him. And then I found my husband and I'm like, oh, I don't even think I knew what love was that first time yeah. around, you know? <laughs> I think so, that's hope that, that brings a lot of other women hope. I've had a lot of women reach out to me about their marriages ending and I I don't know what to tell them. I mean, I'm dealing yeah. I'm in the thick of it myself and yeah, you feel like you feel like all hope is is lost and like you'll yeah. never love again. I feel like Buttercup on Princess Bride, I will never love again. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Even I feel that way now. I'm yeah. like, I don't know. I have a lot of history. Who wants to come take this on? You know? But but I promise you, like there is something out there for you. The Lord, it the the waiting is the hardest part, but there can be such beauty in in the waiting. Yeah. And the Lord just He just sees how wonderful you are and He just has this beautiful package for you. Oh, I it might that. take some time, but yeah, it's there. I love that. And he'll consecrate all of it for our good. Yeah. 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 Amber, thank you so much. Um, the listeners are really going to be inspired by you. So thank you for coming on. We've all got kids in the background, probably knocking on doors. I can see my kids' <laughs> fingers underneath the, the, the freaking door right now. And kids <laughs> calling on my phone. So this is the real and it's real and raw live on on the podcast and I'm in my closet I am closet casting as usual (laughs) so thanks so much for doing this